You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Monday, January 29th. Yes, it's still January. Episode <laughs> 3353, brought to you today by Worm Flooring. Good morning, horse people. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We're back together. Yay, for for a minute. For a week. (laughs) At least for a week. We'll have a couple shows back together again. It just seems like January was a mishmash of all, uh, both of us doing stuff. Yeah. Well, you know what? Every once in a while, we deserve a break, right? Yeah. From I each mean, other, come on. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, we are back together today, and we're going to have our second in a series on barn building by Morton. And also, did you post the question first? I didn't even ask you. Did you post the question first world I, problems? I did. And it turns out that people still have equestrian first world problems. Oh, good, so good. we'll get All to right. that. And in the Auditor Post Show, it's going to be a little more serious. Kind of had a bittersweet uh, PodFest experience over the weekend. I want to talk to you all about that. And then, uh, speaking of PodFest, Ashley was there. And PodFest is the second largest podcasting conference. And I kind of helped start it 10 years ago. It was our 10th anniversary. So it was kind of neat. There were, Jamie, there were 1,500 people there. You know, what's funny is I actually was listening to like local terrestrial radio here and they had a couple weeks ago, a commercial for it. And I was like, I know that guy, (laughs) but I saw that Dr. Drew was there. Yeah. So Dr. Drew was the, was kind of the keynote. He was the headliner and he was there because the podcast hall of fame ceremony happened at this event they have every year and he was hosting that. So they got him to come in early in the morning and do his opening keynote. I don't know a lot about Dr. Drew. Uh, you know, I know a little bit, but I didn't know a lot. God, that guy has done everything there is to do in media. Yeah, he's uh, amazing. And he still has a practice and still works with patients. Uh, you know, it, he was amazing between TV and radio and podcasts and just everything he's done. Now, his wife was there. She's kind of his business manager. And uh, he... Uh, he then, after he did the thing on the stage for the opening keynote for thousands of people, we had a pro session that I ran, and he came into the pro session with like 50 of us who are professional podcasters. And then he, we really opened up a lot more about what how the business works, and he's a smart dude, that guy. We need to have him – did you get his number to have him come on our show? Because I've got some medical questions. Okay, like, he had you a know, person a rash. with him. <laughs> he had a person with him, so uh, he had – you know, he has a uh, – he has a bodyguard there. He's got a um, handler. Yeah, he had a handler. But I did hear, I didn't get there, but the one night they had, they have a big party one night, starts at like 10 o'clock and goes to two in the morning. He went to that to quote unquote make an appearance. And then apparently he ended up staying, staying for like four hours. 
Aww. He had a great time. Apparently, he was having a good time, and uh, one of my friends from podcasting was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, so that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, one of the big things at PodFest, th- no, the big thing at PodFest this year was AI. There must have been 1,200 sessions on AI. I'm AI right now. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but yeah, we cloned yeah. her, so she never has to show up alive on the show and anymore. I'm sorry. Does anybody that's a horse person not think of artificial insemination when we talk about AI? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it just me? Cool. Completely different. Uh, but just how there are tons of apps now to help with podcasts that we are not using. So I learned a lot of things. And it's mostly things to help you do things like show notes and links and stuff like that. But I used a, the last Horses in History. I do Horses in History when you're not here anymore because I know you, you get bored. So <laughs> I do it when you're not here anymore. But the last Horses in History, I started the research using AI, and it probably saved me two hours. Wow. It, it is, there are just a lot of cool – I'd love to hear from – you know, if you're in the auditor room, are you using AI at your business? Is it becoming a thing now where you work, where you're using it to do different things to save you time? And of course, our phones all have it now. I used, there's one thing in our phones now. I, you know, when you have Android and you have the Pixel, they have that thing where if you take 25 pictures in a row of a group of people, and of course, somebody always has a weird expression or is eyes are closed or is yawning or something, you can tell it, combine all of these and get the best out of all of these. And it'll take the best facial expressions from each person and make it. That's so weird. It worked. I used it over the weekend. It, Freakily worked. (laughs) Wow. Technology is ridiculous. I know. So it was, there was a lot going on over the weekend and a lot of, a lot of good stuff. You know, it it had the feeling of the early days of PodFest when independent podcasters were figuring this all out. And of course, a lot of the people there were new and they were figuring it all out. So I I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I'll talk about some other serious stuff that happened in the post-show, but, uh, we need to start using AI more to help us with our business side of our business. That's what Ashley and I took away from that. So. You go right ahead. I'll be over here. All right. I need to clone your voice, though, because we need to have you say things you don't normally say. No, that's not <laughs> happening. If you send me a list of things to record, I am not doing it. <laughs> All right. That was a discussion, though, about the you know, security and making sure you don't get cloned. That was a whole discussion, too. Not that anybody would to clone us. Maybe, <laughs> Once Dr. Enough. maybe Dr. Drew, but not us. I have a few auditor birthdays, and I think I missed Claire Reynoldson. Uh When you guys did the show on Friday, I forgot to put the birthdays in, and I know Claire was one of them. So, because she dropped me an email and said I was Ugh. supposed to pick on you about missing her birthday, what she doesn't know is I'm supposed to put those in. Yeah. So, it's still my fault, is what it comes yeah, back to. It's, it's yep. as always your fault. So, Claire, happy birthday. Celeste Coulter, Celeste, happy birthday to you. And of course, we all know Celeste. She's been mentioned on the show a few times recently. She is the proud owner of Baby Effie. And then Shannon Quashi. Happy birthday. Do you think that's how you remotely say her name? Yes. Do you think I got it right? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's quit today. Show's over. We are done here. <laughs> Man, there was some cool stuff that happened over the weekend. And one of the things that happened was Cody's Wish 
won the Eclipse Award for Horse of the Year, which is just so cool. And I mean, he did have some pretty good racing accomplishments, but I read some of the things from some of the the people that vote because a bunch of journalists vote and they were just like, you know what, even if there were horses that were more successful on the track. There was not one horse who was as successful off the track. And I'm talking, of course, about 17-year-old Cody Dorman, who was a Make-A-Wish kid who lives in Kentucky and got to go to the barn and meet Cody's Wish before he was even named um, as the son of Curlin and got to go meet a baby racehorse. And they named Cody's Wish that because of Cody Dorman and um, he won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. I can't be careful talking about it because I get a little squishy. Um, And then after he won his second consecutive Dirt Mile, Cody Dorman, who had attended every one of his races, um, passed away on the way home. And it was very, very heartbreaking and sad. He's suffered from a rare genetic disorder. And um, like I said, passed right after the race. And I just don't think that there was a horse who embodied the spirit of horsemanship much any more than Cody's wish and to do good things for racing. And so the fact that he won horse of the year was just awesome. So congratulations to Cody's wish and the Dorman family and everybody associated with him. It just goes to show too, that uh, they have a heart over there, right? I mean, you're right. This would not probably have been the first pick when it comes to racing record. But when I saw that one, I was a little surprised, Um, but I was very, you know, I was thrilled that they had a heart. And, you know, Horse of the Year is not always just about your record. Yeah. So, so good good on them. Hey, I want to give a, a shout-out to Sharon Silva, one of our terrific auditors. She was visiting Ocala last week, got together with Jennifer. I was busy, and I'm, I'm sorry I missed you, Sharon. Uh, but she got together with Jennifer, and she got to go meet Scooter and Nigel, and they hung out. And she gave me a, a bottle of maple whiskey. Oh, there you go. Remember That's something how I said, you yeah, something remember how syrupy. I said I tried it in Canada and loved it? <laughs> well, she found a bottle. She said she couldn't find Canadian, but she is a bottle of maple whiskey, and she gave Jennifer a bottle of wine that we can take along in the cruise next week. So thank you to Sharon. I'm so sorry I missed you, and I hope you had a good time here in Ocala. Now, the uh, FEI dropped a little bit of a bombshell over the weekend, didn't they? Yes, they certainly did. (laughs) So it's crazy. So apparently, we all thought in the 2028 uh, LA Olympics that the three disciplines, dressage, jumping, and eventing, were were approved uh, and that was going to be in. And that we announced that a little while ago. But apparently, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, Dressage and jumping were approved. But eventing still a little bit up in the air, and the re- the reason is they they are they are requiring uh, they are requiring the FE- the the Olympic Committee is requiring the FEI to have all three disciplines in one venue. In in Paris, it's going to be that way this year. But apparently, last time uh, it was not that way. So, but they they said it was too expensive to have cross country separated from from the arenas, and they. That's the reason they, they're giving, that they don't want it separated this year. So they are trying to find a place near L.A. where they don't have to build a venue, that already existing a venue. That, and, and there are venues out there that could probably I mean, they could this. go to Galway Downs. Let me just go ahead and say it. Galway Downs would be a great place. It's, you know, a and little I think farther. they're the ones, ones that have, you know, have th- th- uh, thrown their hat into the ring. 
So we'll see. Now, the other thing they're talking about, they want they want to change, and you will be familiar with this, Jamie, as Jennifer is, at lower level events, normally an event is dressage, cross country, and then jumping is the final event, right? Mm-hmm. Jumping is the culmination, and that's where we determine a winner. But at lower level events, it's it's dressage, jumping, and then cross country in many, many Correct. of them. Well, that's what they're talking about for here. And why why they're talking about that when you read between the lines is TV rights. Mm-hmm. Cross country gets the most TV. Nobody cares about the other stuff. It, that's not a horse person. And what they want to do is have cross country determine the winner, thinking that it'll bring more TV. So it wouldn't be unusual even at this high. I think this is a four star, right? Um, Olympics isn't five star. It's four star. So it's not unusual for us eventers to know that about that change and to have a lot of shows that are that way. You probably did a lot that were that way. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes all three in one day, but dressage was always first. There's a local event here. Jennifer just told me about this morning. What's the name of that event, Jennifer? Do you, do you remember? Majestic Oaks, a local venue. Jamie, they have a one day, all three in one day. They have 240 entries. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Cut it off. <laughs> There's so many entries. But so I it isn't dead. I mean, it, it looks like I, I, good chances we're going to have eventing in 2028 in L.A., but but it's going to it's probably will have to change a little bit. So that but it the headlines kind of made it sound like, oh, there's going to be no eventing. It's all over. You know, it did sound like that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to know that there's a little bit more to it than just it's canceled. No, I, 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 it's not canceled. And David O'Connor, you better believe, is working on that. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Well, hey, um, it finally was a beautiful day yesterday. We've had like three, four inches rain. It's been raining nonstop for like 10 days. And yesterday, finally, the majestic yellow orb in the sky popped out, separated itself from clouds, and we had a little bit of sun yesterday. Were you blinded? I was like, I need sunglasses and a hat and sunscreen. I actually put on sunscreen yesterday, going for the first time in forever. And um, now it's it's been very very cold, uh, and it was still chilly yesterday. But this pony that I got. Taco, we call him now. Glenn aptly named him Taco Tuesday for his, you know, fancy show name someday. Um, I actually talked to Monty quite a bit. Um, I did an interview with Monty asking him training questions. That's going to come out next week. And uh, next week, when he talks about that, I talked a little bit about Taco. And one of the questions I asked him was, I have two now two Western horses, and both of them are compliant, but you know, like when Maverick came here, he's a little mini Duke, a little buckskin. Yeah, he, he was hard to catch, wouldn't come to you, didn't want any part of you. Compliant, but non-emotional and unattached. Like, didn't care. Now he'll stand up at the gate and knicker for me when I come up. First time he did that, my heart melted. Um, but little taco here, he's still tough to catch. He doesn't want to come up to you. He'll come in to eat, but like, he doesn't really like you. And the one thing that they told me when you, when you, when I got him was, yeah, he's real hard to put the bridle on. That's an understatement, Glenn. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) this 13, three hand pony has a magic, like I work with all these like 17 hand racehorses and Chad always says, that's amazing. You can get a bridle on them because a lot of them don't also don't want the bridle, but I can do it. 
This little 13 two-hand pony turns into a 19-hand <laughs> pony. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I know, right? I wants no part of the bridal at all. So I've been going to work. And typically what you would do. You know what I recommend? What? You get a wife that does it for you. <laughs> That's what I need. I need another wife. I have, I call him husband number two, farm boy, because uh, he does all the dirty work around here when Chad's gone. <laughs> like, hey, there's a dead chicken. I need you to go get it. He'll, okay, fine. You know, or there's a mouse in the trap. Like, I need you to get it. So he does that kind of stuff. And he is six four. but I was like, I'm going to do this myself. And so one of the the concepts with that Monty has is you put honey on a stick and then, you know, like on the back of a wooden spoon and you teach them to take that. And then you put the honey on the bit and eventually they're like reaching for the bit. However, it's been too cold. And the honey that I keep honey in my tack room, it's frozen. I can't <laughs> use it. It is like it is like a, you can't squeeze it. You can't. I don't have a microwave in the barn, so I can't soften it up. So I was like, all right, I got to come up with another way to get this horse to take a bridle. And I just went with the easiest way possible. I just took the bridle and took a handful of grass, paid a little bucket by my feet, you know, and I take a little bit of grain and I sprinkle it in my hand and I was just touching his mouth with the bit. And I mean, just getting him to actually eat the food in my hand around the bit was an unbelievable challenge. And uh, I, I, I just wish I would have recorded it before because you would never have believed. I was like, let's just see what he does first. Holy cow. It was impressive. So I never got up before. But yesterday, after three sessions with the little, like four little pieces of grain in my hand that he has to work pretty hard to get with the bit sitting on top of it. I bridled him three times yesterday. Yay. That's I, what I, Jennifer has, does with Scooter. And now he grabs for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, and again, like the, 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 the typical way that I do it was, you know, like you have to sometimes come up with new ways for new things. And, and uh, yeah, I was like, this honey's frozen. What do I do? And I was like jabbing the stick in it, like trying to like push it. It was like a rock. <laughs> it's like hitting a rock on the ground. I was like, and then I'm like, I can't even squeeze it over the bit, you know? So I came up with this new way. And I mean, it sounds simple, but I was very pleased. Um, I did have his teeth floated. I had everything checked. <laughs> Maybe that's the magic. I'll just sprinkle a little ground beef on the, you know, on the bit. Those Western Cowboys, they like their beef. Uh, it is just funny though, that, like how unhappy he is. Like you just wonder. So when he came to me, he had cuts on the the cheeks, like where his. I'm sure that has something next. to do with it. Yeah, and and so he had cuts there, and then I he, I he just has a whole story in there someday that I'm just unpacking his issues. I'm just unpacking, but um, I, I mean, it's just so funny how like. Uh, my honey's frozen. What do I do now? <laughs> I'm not going to get the six foot four cowboy out here to do it. I'm going to do it myself. And I did. So we'll, we'll continue the, the process of getting the bit in his mouth, but hopefully after yesterday, it will have some improvement. Thank God he's not ear shy. So I can put it over his ears. It was just putting it up to his mouth. Yeah. He's not a percheron. So no. <laughs> <laughs> he was at first a percheron. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? I know you brought that. Uh, you brought Taco home in your trailer that has the worm flooring. You can ditch the mats and upgrade to worm flooring systems today. You, the worm flooring. I'm going to stop you because yeah. that's actually not true. They delivered him to me in that convertible trailer with no oh, top in the right. freezing cold. And I'm sure I tried to do a perfect transition. I know. But. I know. I'm sure he would have loved worm flooring, but. I think you would have liked to roof a little more, but go ahead, carry on. <laughs> well, you know, if you're tired of fighting with the heavy rubber mats, we had to do it last weekend. We had to pull the mats back, clean underneath, because oh. our, our we, we're, we haven't gotten our worm flooring quite yet. So uh, you, it was a pain. It's just a pain to do that. And this worm flooring, they actually attach it to your floor. It's kind of like this rubberized material they attach to your floor. And it just means it, 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 that you don't have to deal with the mats anymore. There's no urine getting down in between the mats to eat your floor away, whether it's wood or whether it's aluminum. It's slip resistant. It's textured to prevent slipping. Uh, it's seamless. You said it even comes up the walls a little bit. So you yeah, don't have, awesome. you don't have moisture getting down along the edges where, which happens sometimes and causes rust there it's durable it reduces the noise and it kind of insulates the trailer a little more too so worm flooring systems we recommend it for all your trailers uh jamie has it loves it we're getting it uh for our aluminum floor trailer because i hate doing the mat and it's, it stinks so bad in there yes yeah, it's, uh, it's called in it's named worm we eliminate rubber mats and it's worm w-e-r-m flooring.com check it out today there was the I don't know if you saw the story of this lady at a Walmart. Where was this? In Michigan. This should have been on Weird News, but I couldn't wait. Um, she stole a horse and an Amish horse and buggy from the Walmart. Did you see that story? Uh, yeah, briefly. I didn't click on it because I just figured somebody would send it to me. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a twist on the story. This was all over mainstream news. Apparently, she stole the police in Sturgis, Michigan, about 90 miles south of Grand Rapids along the Indiana border, were called the local Walmart on Saturday after an Amish family reported their buggy and horse had been stolen. A truck driver who was parked nearby told investigators that he saw it happen and gave a description of the suspect. Apparently, they had already made contact with the woman earlier in the day at the Walmart, so she was there causing trouble. They did not uh, offer any details about that encounter. Later in the evening, the horse and buggy was found nearby abandoned, and they found the woman at a nearby motel, and she was taken into custody without incident. But what makes this bad is if she had stolen a car, she probably would have been uh, charged with a misdemeanor. Because she left the car, she didn't keep the car, she would have ditched the car. But by stealing a horse, it's two felonies that she has. Because larceny of livestock is a felony. Um, and it's been on the books forever in Michigan. They shoot you for that in Oklahoma. <laughs> exactly. Hang exactly. you. String you up. Exactly. And then stealing the buggy, which is valued at over $10,000. And I know they pay a lot for those buggies, uh, is also a felony. So now she has two felonies instead of a misdemeanor because she stole the horse and buggy. Now, did she steal it because she needed it or because she was like, I'm an animal rights person. I'm going to get this out of here. And Uh, it doesn't really say why she stole it. No, it had nothing to do with animal rights. I'm sure it had a lot to do with drugs or alcohol. It would be my guess. Uh, from, from the impression I got, this was nothing to do with animal rights. Uh, so this was just somebody who decided to, she needed to get back to the hotel, probably for a fix. So they arrested her. She's, she's facing charges. I love the last line of this article. For the em- enterprising thieves in the audience, stick to cars. 
Horse and buggies are slower, harder to hide in the garage, and must much worse for you if you get caught. Plus, yeah. a car is less likely to kick you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Anyway, there's some weird news for you. That's an early look at weird news. So I posted into the auditor room last week, and it said, if someone offered you a million dollars to watch the same movie for 24 hours straight, what movie would it be? And I found this very... We had 130 responses, by the way. And I posted in the auditor room, so I expected all of them to be horse movies, right? I didn't say horse movies, but I expected them all to be horse movies because it's the auditors. I was shocked at the... It was, a majority of them were not horse movies. And, you know, I was... It's because we've already seen those a million yeah, times. I guess. I think that's probably it. I think that's probably what it is. But it it was interesting. I think that... I think that the... I wonder if the answers reflect on the personality of the person. You would think it kind of would, right? I, yeah, I would imagine. I mean, but uh, okay, to be fair, you asked this question. For a million dollars, you had to watch one movie 24 hours straight. I mean... Why yeah. w- uh, any movie? Yeah, I was just going to say, we can all watch any movie for-, for that. Yes, I get that. I uh, mean, I'll do it for three days straight. A, a million bucks, I'd pay for a really nice indoor. I could suffer through it. But <laughs> I started thinking about it, Glenn. Yeah. There is one movie that oh, I no. would not be able to watch. <laughs> oh, you would not be able to watch? I would not okay, well, all right. sit through one particular movie. And I will tell you why. Because... My son decided while we were having dinner, he was going to start a movie and uh, started. Oh, no, I loved SpongeBob. I could oh. sit through that for days. Um, but what 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 he has is um, he's now 10 and his father is taking him through all the genres of movies. And they started watching this one movie and he's already seen it. And it induced so much anxiety that I actually got sick after like 10 minutes. I was so frightened during this movie and I don't know if anybody ever has seen it. I mean, it's like old. It's just, it just was like, I was like a visceral reaction to this movie and it's the Brad Pitt movie. And you think I should be able to watch Brad Pitt for 24 hours. No, not when it's world war Z. It is a zombie movie, and I am not kidding you, Glenn. That was the most terror. I only made it through 10 minutes. Ter- most terrifying. I made the whole family shut it off. I was like, turn on. My television. I don't want that in my house. I mean, it was awful. Have you ever seen that? I saw that movie when I had COVID one night, and I am not a zombie movie person. I hate zombie movies, but I, I was sick. So I ended up watching it. And I'm ca- I think I fell asleep, actually, during that movie. Oh! <gasps> I don't like zombies all that much. I did, you know, I ended up watching the end and all that. Um, but I can see why you don't want to do that. One. I didn't make it to the end. I made it <laughs> the first 10 minutes and that was enough. I mean, I can't believe people watch stuff like that. Like, why would you want to be that scared? And then add the kid effect to it. Like, i got to protect my child and my spouse. And there's people that are like, I mean, it didn't take, but two minutes to like start seeing people laid out on the ground, turn into zombies. No, it was a no hard pass. <laughs> Keep your million. I could, I, there was uh, well, s- several people answered with the same movie and I couldn't do it. I'm with you. I couldn't do it for 24 hours. And what the, movie? Well, no, I'd sleep the whole time. So that'd be all right. Maybe I could do it. <laughs> do you have to stay awake through all it of this? It doesn't say that. So, uh, Lord of it's the Rings. I cannot oh. do Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Oh my God, they're the most boring movies in the history of the world. <laughs> oh my God, Lord of the Rings. 
Oh, I, I, I don't mind those so much. I'm not a super like. I didn't care about the ring by the end. I just wanted to throw it in the <laughs> deepest ocean and never found again. Shut up, Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, my pick, I think, would have been uh, and Danielle. You have good taste. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one. I think I could have done Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, they just ruined the whole franchise, though. Yeah, I think the first one I could have done, uh, maybe for 24 hours, but not Lord of the Rings. Oh, There's really, again, not many movies I wouldn't sit through for a million dollars for 24 hours, but like some of my obvious notables would be like The Man from Snowy River, because I've watched that that many hours and not, not sneezed at it. Um, done it on purpose, and I didn't get paid. Um, <laughs> Kira Knightley's Pride and Prejudice. God, I love that movie. I mean, actually, we were we put on a movie once when we were in a hotel because I like to fall asleep to a movie. And Lucas is like, I can't fall asleep watching TV. And I was like, <laughs> I bet you can. And I, he, I was like, I will give you $10 if you stay awake the entire movie. And he's like, it's 10. I was like, I'll give you $10. 10, you know what? 20. I'll give you 20 <laughs> bucks. If you, he was like, what's it about? I'm like, it's about matchmaking in the 1800s. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> I think he made it three move, three minutes <laughs> before he fell asleep. Well, that's the movies. Uh, there were, there were a whole lot of them. I mean, and there Any were. Any surprises? Yeah, no. Well, you know, the, the typical horse movies you would expect, you know, were in there. Farlap, Seabiscuit, Secretariat, you know, Yeah, all of those you would expect were in there. There were a couple to make your day, Man from Snowy River. Um, there were a couple that said they could never watch Man from Snowy River for that long. So, you know, not everybody agrees with you. I would say majority of the audience does. Well, not everybody has, like, taste in class. So I, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's probably it. When you have 500 people in a room, not all of them are going to have class, right? Jamie? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you know... If everybody has it, then it's you that does it. All right, we're going to go to our uh, guest for today. Uh, I had a chance to chat with uh, the good folks over at Morton Buildings for our part two in our series on Barn Building 101. Welcome to Barn Building 101, brought to you by Morton Buildings at mortonbuildings.com. Well, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, and we are continuing our educational series right now on building yourself a barn that you're going to be happy with from now into the future. As you know, we've done a couple of these educational series, one on insurance and one on trailers that have proved to be very popular, and you guys wanted to hear about barns. So in this part two, we have Dennis Lee with us. He's equestrian product line manager at Morton Buildings, and in this part, we're going to discuss the style of horse stall that you want. There's so many different styles. And if you missed part one, go to horseradionetwork.com slash barn to take a listen. Well, talking about stalls, Dennis, there are so many things to think about. And of course, materials you're making out of it is one of the one of the things, you know, size and all that stuff's important. But also, what what are the walls? What are the doors? What's everything made out of? Yeah, so that's a huge consideration for uh, for clients to to, to make. You know, we want to build a, a safe, uh, very functional, as well as a stylish stall. Uh, you know, your horse spends the, the majority of their time in a barn in a stall. Uh, the majority of injuries in stall barns occur in the stall. So, you know, the, the quality of materials is absolutely paramount in a horse stall. Actually, the number one cause of injury in stall barns is actually a backed out fastener. 
in your stall lumber. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're using a, a heavy duty ring shank hand drive nail or a, a good heavy duty structural screw. Many builders will use nail guns just for, for speed and cost, and those nail gun nails will almost immediately start to back out, and you, know, you can have you know, sorts of injuries from backed-out fasteners. Uh, the lumber your stall is built from, we use a number one grade southern yellow pine tongue and groove 2x8. Uh, many builders will use uh, either just a, a spruce pine fir or a lower quality uh, softwood type of square edge plank for, for cost. Um, yellow pine is the strongest of all the softwoods, so that's the reason that we use it. Uh, and many builders will use a tongue and groove board in the stall front for aesthetics only, whereas we use a tongue and groove board throughout the entirety of the stall so that the two boards lock together to help prevent separation or splintering when a stall uh, is is kicked. Doors is a <laughs> this is a one that we've had this uh, discussion on our show before and that's sliding doors versus hinge doors and it's kind of one of those discussions that people either fall one side or the other. Uh, what do you find when you're when you're having that discussion with people? That that's a very uh very polarizing uh, opinion, typically. <laughs> I've had so, both, and I could argue for yeah, both in court. I really exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I come from the Western world. Uh, you know, we, we have uh, rainers, rain cow horses, uh, you know, versatility ranch horses. So the sliding style stall door is, seems to be much more steeped in our, uh, in our history. Uh, the sliding stall door uh, is probably the most basic, the most utilitarian. Uh, it saves the most amount of space in the, uh, in the barn aisle. Uh, and generally speaking, it's going to be the least expensive. As far as a hinged front style stall, uh, we typically see those in what's referred to as a European or Euro style stall front. You'll see those a lot in uh, hunter jumpers, dressage, uh, warm blood type horses, uh, some of the polo type communities where you, know, you don't have the large you know, track across the front. It's more like a, a scalloped front uh, European style. So one of the things, too, you don't want to skimp on is hardware on the sliding doors, because we've all been to that barn that they just don't work because the hardware is mm -hmm. just terrible. Um, good hardware on a sliding door is a necessity if you want to use it after three or four years. Yeah, quality is key. Uh, you know, so we see a lot of um, stall fronts that are uh, kind of, uh, you know, self-assembled or, or just cobbed together with local hardware, you want to have a stall front that really is designed to work uh, together. Not just a, a high-quality uh, Durlin type of roller uh, that will last longer than a, than a cheap galvanized roller. A good quality latching system. Our stall doors will actually latch in any position throughout the travel of the door. So if you want to open the door a foot and latch it, place your wheelbarrow in front of that opening, go in and muck your stall. The horse can't bust out past you. So that's a really well-designed latch. And then uh, on your sliding doors, a, a door keeper system or a door retainer system on the bottom. So the door can't be pushed away from the stall, either in its open or closed position. So yeah, a good, well-designed uh, hardware system on your stall front is very important. And then the other thing with hinge doors, if you have stalls opposing each other on opposite sides, you need a wider aisle. Then you would Absolutely. with a sliding door, right? 
So, yeah, your stall stall doors really need to be four feet wide to give room for horse and handler to pass. Uh, so if you have a 12 foot wide uh, barn aisle and you have a, a you know four foot wide door open on either side of the stall or either side of the aisle, you're greatly reducing the travel area uh, in that uh, in that barn. Also, if you if you know, a lot of these hunter jumper type programs will have tack trunks in mm-hmm. front of their stalls. So take into consideration where that door is going to swing. Uh, when you have tack trunks placed in front of the stalls. So what safety considerations should you take into account when you're planning for your stalls? I mean, we've all had, if you've had horses for any amount of time, all of us have had the cast horse, right? I don't care what the stall, how big the stall is or what it's made out of. We have to deal with that. But how can we do the best we can to avoid injury? So a, a good, safe footing in your stall. Uh, we love stall mats and a well-compacted base. Uh, a door that is no less than four feet wide. Four feet is by far the most common in the industry. Uh, I personally prefer to place a sliding stall door on the right-hand side of the stall, sliding to the left when you walk in front of it. So, you know, typically we're going to lead a horse in our right hand. And if your stall door slides from right to left, you can reach grab that door latch, slide the stall to the left, and you can enter the stall with the horse without ever having to cross paths directly in front of the horse. You know, we know directly in front and directly behind are the no-go no go zones on horses. So if that stall door slides right to left, you can open, enter, and release the horse without having crossed in front of them. So we've talked about sliding versus swinging. What are the other considerations for stall doors? So there's several different uh, design styles when it comes to stall doors themselves. Uh, our basic uh, entry-level stall door is going to be a, uh, a pipe top with a tongue-and-groove lumber fill bottom. We also have options for um, operable yoke tops so your horses can hang their heads out when you want to and close it when you don't want them to. Uh, we also offer a pipe top and pipe bottom. Now, when we go to a pipe bottom door, we do reduce the spacing of that pipe in the bottom. So if you had a mini or something, they couldn't get a hoof between the the pipes and the bottom of that door. I'm personally a huge fan of the pipe bottom door because you can walk down the aisle of your barn and in an instant you can look into that stall you can see if a horse is cast you can see if the stall is clean you can see if they've you know got their blanket wrapped around their uh, legs you can you know there's just there's so much advantage to being able to see into the bottom of that stall it also you know promotes airflow and increases light what what do you guys use for your posts are you using six by sixes eight by eights four by fours what are you using for your corner posts so we pioneered the laminated wood column uh, system way back in the in the late seventies, early eighties. So rather than a solid sawn post, we use a column that's built in a press that's uh, multiple layers of two by sixes or two by eights, depending on the barn design. Typically, it's two by six. So you'll have three number one grade uh, two by sixes put together in a press, and this gives you a, a stronger, straighter column than what a solid post would. Uh, we also use what's called the Morton Foundation System, which is a precast concrete lower column. So we no longer put treated wood in the ground. So we have a precast concrete pier that we embed a minimum of four feet in the ground. And then we bolt that laminated column uh, to that pier when it's once it's up above the, the grade. So you're digging the hole and then you, you have this pre-made concrete thing. You drop it in the hole and then the post goes in that concrete. That's correct. Oh, that's interesting. 
that's probably much quicker for you guys to do too than doing it the other way. It yeah. it is it's a it's better than a solid song post for many reasons. You know, if you you we've all seen even the highest quality six by sixes or four by sixes will have one big knot in them that yeah. compromises the whole post, or they twist. They're they're really bad for for twisting and cupping. So that's that's the basics on stalls. In the last segment we did, which you can still go back and listen to at the link I gave you earlier, we talked about the building itself. But one of the things we didn't discuss is what the building, the exterior is made of, whether it's metal or you know wood or cladding or any of that. So what do you guys recommend? What do you do the most? So our most common cladding, both roofing and siding, is a 26-gauge um, PVDF painted system. So, you know, not all colored. Uh, That's metal, right? Yeah, yeah. metal. What, what a lot of people refer to as tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all corrugated metal roofing and siding is created equal. There's actually uh, vast differences in different qualities and, and materials. So, gauge refers to the thickness of the material. And when it comes to metal thicknesses, the larger the number, the thinner the material. So a lot of builders, especially your low-cost budget builders or DIY-type kits, will use a 29-gauge material. Seen, 26 and 29 yep. are the two I've seen. Yep. So yeah, so 29 is about 20% thinner than the 26 that we use. Uh, and then another big difference is the paint that's used on it. We use a 70% PVDF, which is a big fancy uh uh, you know, expression for a very high quality exterior finish that resists fade and chalking for a long period of time where you're, you know, a lot of your lower cost builders will have a uh, polyester based paint, which will fade and chalk and crack and peel uh, rapidly. And the other consideration is fasteners. So we use a stainless fastener with a color matched head. We found that a lot of the rust and failure on metal roofing and siding begins at a low-quality fastener. So choosing a, a very high-quality fastener is, is paramount. Now, that's our standard, uh, and the most common, the most durable, and probably the most cost-effective. We also offer you know, shingle roofs, which you, you know, everybody's familiar with a shingle roof. Uh, as far as siding goes, we can also do you know, brick, stucco, uh, we do a lot of hardy, hardy lap or hardy board and batten or some of the you know, cement board type sidings. Those are all uh, style related uh, considerations that we'll discuss with the homeowners. I do pity the people who have to put up the hardy board because I have seen hardy board and I've tried to lift a four by eight sheet of hardy board. Mm-hmm. It's made of concrete. I mean, it's it is concrete. <laughs> it's really heavy. <laughs> hardy is hardy is beautiful, uh, but it also has a maintenance component, so it will have to be painted every ten to fifteen years. Now, mm. if you're trying to match a home that has hardy, we love doing hardy because it just looks amazing. But just keep in mind, it will have a maintenance aspect to it over time, and it's heavy as heck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Thanks, Dennis, for joining us again. If you're looking to build your stable or stall barn or riding arena, a Morton building is professionally built for your functional needs and your horse's safety and budget. Save now through February on new buildings during their building value days. And you can learn more at mortonbuildings.com slash project slash equestrian, or you can just scroll over on your podcast player and we'll have the link right there so you don't have to remember it. But Morton is the leader in buildings in this in this country. And, and uh, I certainly know a lot of people that have Morton buildings and absolutely love them. Thanks, Dennis, for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. 
Tosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of their ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. So visit CosequinEquine.com. Your horse has unique feed needs and Purina has you covered from breeding and growing to senior horses, from performance horses to easy keepers and everything in between. Purina has an extensive portfolio of research-backed options for your horse. There's no shortcut for quality nutrition. Cheaper isn't cheaper if it doesn't work. Put Purina's research to the test. Find optimal nutrition at any level at your local Purina retailer or visit PurinaMills.com to learn more. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. It is good. It's always good. It's because it comes from our kind, sweet, generous listeners who feel like they need to release some stress off their chest and let us know what is happening and the struggles that they're going through. And um, so what happens is on Sundays, I put up a post on the auditor Facebook page telling me, telling them to share their problems. So if you want to participate in this, you have become an auditor. Uh, how do they do that, Glenn? You just go to uh, horsesinthemorning.com, click on the auditor ba- auditor. audit. Auditor banner, and for as little as three, can you tell I'm tired? Uh, and for as little as three dollars a month, you too can become an auditor. You're a hot mess today. <laughs> Don't worry, I got you, buddy. Because poor Holly, Holly, this is a problem that I'm having right now. Um, because you know, I, I got down to four horses and I have seven stalls, and then so I got up to five horses, so now I have five horses, but I have seven stalls, Glenn. So Holly says that, um, her three stall barn only has two horses in it. So she's sad. Shopping. I mean, obviously she's shopping. <laughs> Let me know if you need some help, Holly. It's my favorite that means thing. Holly is shopping for two more. That's <laughs> <laughs> you got to have three stall barn requires four, four. horses. Yeah, exactly. I will tell you how nice it has been to have a stall for every horse for like the first time ever and forever because it's been so terrible weather. I'm like, I can just bring them all in. It's so lovely. It's so stress-free. So, Holly, stick with three, but, I mean, do as I do as I say, not as I do. Uh, Kelly says, I finally kicked being seriously sick for five weeks. I just started yesterday working with my horse again, but now I have to leave on Friday for the horse lover's cruise. <laughs> Who was that? Kelly. Kelly. See you there, Kelly. Allison says, when I looked in the mirror, ooh, I thought maybe I got a nice little tan from being outside. I was in the sun all day. And then I realized it was just dirt and dust all over my face from grooming the mud off my filthy horse. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that where I'm like wearing navy blue pants. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, now they're brown. (laughs) That's not good. Patty says, I was so thrilled that I was able to order a very nice custom fitted saddle for me and my horse. And once it's delivered, a saddle fitter will come and adjust it just for that perfect fit. I've been waiting patiently for, (laughs) I love this, for 125 days for it to be made and delivered. (laughs) And it finally arrived this week. Yay, I'm so excited. She has little little check marks on the cell wall. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She says, but now the saddle fitter can't come for another week and I'm not allowed to ride in it until they do to come guarantee the fit. I'm Okay, when did a horse girl ever listen to anybody? 
That's true. She's going to be I mean, riding in it before then. That's, that's true. That's like your doctor saying you broke your leg, don't ride for six months. We all yeah. know that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, you know, unless the pain holds you back or yeah. the money. Just wipe it case. off. They'll never know. You're fine. Rena says, I have recently re-entered the world of eventing and all the rules have changed. And now I need to buy new vests, new helmets, new boots, new number holders. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you haven't invent, uh, evented for 20 years, it oh. would be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the helmets and the vests and the yeah, even even the number holders are yeah, different. Just There's everything. no string around your back anymore. The requirements are just everything's different. <laughs> yeah. Remember we used to have those cloth pennies that you yes, have to like yes. wrestle over your helmet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh Kaylin says, I bought a new to me saddle for my coming three-year-old. And I even got to try it out and sit on her. But now it's like really cold again, and I value my life too much to not wait till it gets warmer <laughs> so going true. back to the eventing you you didn't have to wear your there was no such thing as a medical card you wore back then either no no no, no. and now they ha then you got medical armbands i always hated my armband because it always slid down and now they have bracelets oh really that, it's like a that. it's like a microchip yeah oh, wow. so just scan that they scan i don't have you one and know what where, what hospital bring you to Exactly. Yeah. I always just rolled up with my, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm old school. I'm old, but armband. <laughs> uh, Lisa says, I've been on holiday for a month and a month. And three of my four horses have been out with an injury of some sort. And I just go back to work tomorrow. And now these a-holes are all found. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya says, I changed jobs and I no longer have to travel for work. This is going to hurt you more than it hurts me, Glenn. I'm home every day to see my horse, but now I don't have long car rides to listen to all of my favorite horse radio network podcasts. And I'm so far behind. All right. That ain't allowed. Get, get a job, girl. Go back to work. <laughs> Go back to work. Yeah. We, need or do to. What we I cannot do. Uh, tolerate that kind of nonsense. Do you know what I did this time? Of course, this she's not is... hearing this because she's so far behind. <laughs> You're not even listening now. <laughs> I did get something really cool off Amazon for like 10 bucks, maybe 15. And it is like a winter beanie. And it's just, you know, just a regular beanie, which I wear all winter anyway. But this one has like built-in Bluetooth earbuds to where your ears go. Really? Does Dude. it work? It Bluetooth to your phone that you could just like sit down and keep cleaning stalls, and it works amazing. It's a, a like if I pulled it all the way down, the the earbuds would be in my throat. But I have to keep it poofy up in the top, and the earbuds work. And then I, it, it told me yesterday, you're getting a phone call from six two three Chad's number, and I was like, oh my god, can I answer the phone? So I I had my phone in my pocket. I picked it up. I swiped. I talked to Chad through my beanie. <laughs> It was so exciting. Talk about well, technology. Well, that is good because when you put on a beanie and you had earbuds on, then they get hung up and it's a pain. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, you guys are going to thank me. Send your emails of love to jamiedhorseradionetwork.com. All right. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> just what I did. So, Tanya, basically, you have no excuse. Um, Megan says, my husband decided that he wanted a horse. And she posted a picture of her husband on this giant you will have to go see it beautiful black percheron looking oh, horse really? yeah. and she says now i secretly i'm sure it's not so secret wish he was mine <laughs> <laughs> jacqueline says i'm a detroiter who doesn't care at all about football 
But I was still sad that I couldn't stay on the couch and watch the Lions last night because I had to go to the barn to ride two horses in my lesson. <sighs> I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's football. It'll be fine. Um, Jane says, my trainer has been making amazing progress with my horse. Uh, and he's so fancy. Yay. But I'm too pregnant to ride him. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Go back to the previous one. Yeah, I do. You know, you're not supposed to ride. Sure. I rode till I was eight months, but I did dismount and break my foot because I was so huge. Um, Mel says, I finally get to ride after 20 days off due to the cold snap and my vacation. But <laughs> this is so sad, Glenn. I finally get to ride after 20 days off due to the cold snap. And then I had a vacation. But my Apple Watch wasn't charged, and now my stats are going to be all wrong. <laughs> do you remember that all the time? I mean, do you look at that at all? I don't have an Apple Watch, so oh, okay. no. Sorry, but I did, when I have a step counter, I'd always like, because if you are doing a posting trot, it counts those, and I'd be like, I got 27,000 steps. Yes, so like you cheated. yes. Zeus did that. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had been wearing my watch uh, last week because at that, the conference hall was so big. I guarantee I had 20,000 steps running back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Two more. Uh, Sarah says, Oklahoma weather was nice enough yesterday to brush and clean my horse. That's all I did in the Oklahoma weather. You're exactly right because everything is still very wet. Um, she was said, I was hoping to start riding consistently this week, which I'm going to do today as soon as we're done with the show. She said, but now her horse has a cough. Emily said this. This was a separate post. I have to read, though, because she has the cutest minis in the world. Emily is our listener that's in Alaska. Oh, God. And, and uh, she said, we have had a real cold snap, and I've been worried about my old mini. So I told my husband, don't be surprised if you come home from work and find a mini in the garage. His response was, dear Lord, please let it be one we already own. <laughs> we're gonna end on that one that's great please just make it one you already own like he's not complaining about the horse being no, in the garage no. it's about please don't she be a used new your horse tactic. it was the lesser of two years that's so smart how much did that cost it only cost 800 bucks <laughs> what it cost 800 just kidding it was 600 it's like it was free see that was genius i i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna steal that emily your minis are darn it. cute too i gotta say they're all oh hair they can barely even tell there's a mini under there that's awesome. So cute. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we will be here all this week. Uh, tomorrow we have a best of episode for you because it's the fifth Tuesday of the month, but uh, we will have Mary Kitzmiller later in the week. Jamie and I will be here Wednesday and Friday. So look for us then. And then Jamie's doing shows all next week while, while I'm off gallivanting around with a bunch of the listeners on our uh, Horse Lovers cruise. Yeah. So, but you'll yeah, be here working, right? I will be here, and on Wednesday, I think it's Wednesday's episode, uh, I had Debbie on with me. We talked to Monty, and I asked him a bunch of our listeners' training questions, okay. plus a horse that I couldn't figure out. And Monty actually gave me an answer, and it required the use – it will require – the use of farm boy. So <laughs> that's all coming up on next Wednesday. All right. Elders, hang on. We'll chat after, after this. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense.
in the world of do as I say, not as I do, Lisa yeah. Wysocki came up with probably the greatest one of all time. On Friday? <laughs> yes. We were talking about abscesses and how, um, you know, you, when you have an abscess and you have to soak it and it's freezing cold outside, the water just gets cold because you're supposed to soak it in warm water with Epsom salts. She's like, so here's what I do. I take them out and I take a hairdryer. And if you just point the hairdryer into the water, it keeps it warm. Really? To which I replied, Lisa, are you telling me that you have a puddle of water a horse standing in it, and you have a hair dryer plugged into the wall? What are you doing? You're going to die. Like, don't do that. I, she was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, oh, my God. I mean, every movie in the world has somebody die in the tub with a hair dryer, right? With a hair dryer. Yeah, exactly. and like, here, I'm going to take this hair dryer, plug it into the wall, and put it next to a thousand-pound animal that may or may not stand still. Oh, my God. Lisa, you're trying to. I'm like, don't do that. And Lisa's written books on horsemanship. I know. I was like, oh, my God, Lisa, you can't do that. Please don't do that. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, the next section is going to be a little heavier than we usually do in the post show. Morning, listeners, if you want to bail, you can bail now. First of all, Jamie and I both have allergies. This is the lighter of the two things. Jamie and I both have allergies. And I don't know how you are when you stay in a hotel that's musty and maybe moldy. Mm-hmm. That was um, my room. Oh, no. That was my mom's in, house. So. And that's why I'm having trouble this morning, because I'm still recovering from it. It was awful. I, I, I should have switched rooms or switched hotels or something, but I figured I'm at the conference all day. I won't be. But I forgot you have to sleep in the room. Yeah. Oh. I thought you guys switched to a non-musty, moldy hotel for this now, year. We decided, you know, the ho- I'm not sure all the rooms were this way. But mine was. Uh, it was bad. I mean, I'm so going to suffer So you went to back to the same hotel that last year also had musty, moldy rooms? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. But yet, well. Ashley was in a room that wasn't. So I don't know. I got lucky. So anyway, that was the minor you, of the things. Are you coughing on mute right yes, now? Yes, I was. <laughs> I'm going to suffer all week. And you know... You know as well as I do, it's going to take me three or four days to, to recover from it. It just oh, does. Glenn, when I went to clean my mom's house... Um, she's in the facility and I went to clean her house and I had to stay and, oh man, uh, I mean, wow, wow. A 70, late 70 something year old woman who's not super mobile. Oh man, it was bad. It was really bad. Like, I mean, I had to like make space to get across the floor. That's how bad it was. Like as far as like hoarder kind of behavior, you know, but then like the mold and mud and, and, she has a dog and <laughs> I don't need it. And she got it as a puppy a year ago. My brothers bought it for her. They asked me to chip and I said, hell to the no, because I'm not giving my mom a freaking puppy. And this puppy has never been potty trained. So I'm like, I was wading oh, through must like urine. mold, uh, urine and ammonia. poop <laughs> and just cleaning that up. And I mean, it took me days and days to just get her room to where it was somewhat functional i mean it did nine million loads of laundry but it didn't matter because the carpets have that same uh, smell and you there's know no, no get, you have to tear up the carpets there's no getting it out oh no no, no way well, so i feel your pain anyway well, didn't mean to derail you no that's all right so um so the longtime listeners which the auditors a lot of them are will will remember the two people i'm going to talk about 
So if uh, you a long time ago, I don't know if you remember, we had the acting company. I've talked about that, and we this is probably thirty years ago now. We had the acting company, and for ten years, we did medieval feasts. Jennifer and I met at the Renaissance Fair. I stole half the Renaissance Fair's cast and started my own company, and we did medieval feasts. We did about like 400 and some shows. We had two jesters, uh, Mark Marquise, who's been on our show. He came on very early on. We had him on. Remember, we were at a point where having your old friends on and my old friends on. Very early on in this show. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't a, have anybody else to book. I know. Nobody would talk to us. So we had our old friends on. We had your old friend who you were in a, you played music with. Yep. And then Mark, who Mark was my jester, and we did literally all 450 shows together. It was like you and I. We didn't have, we knew what the other one was going to say. It was improv theater. There was no stepping over each other because you just knew when the other person was going to talk and what they were going to say. So we were good. We were good team. Well, he met his wife, his his last thirty year wife Tara there, and she became a jester. She was a she was a musician. She was an opera singer actually. Uh, so she did song for us and stuff like that. And they met and got married. I officiated their wedding at a Renaissance fair in Ohio as the king. I went to Ohio and with their king we officiated their wedding. And for the last thirty years they've been doing the jester thing together at Renaissance Fairs full-time. So that's been their life for the last 30 years. She is one of the most positive, upbeat, delightful people you ever meet. You never saw her where she wasn't dressed in something that was tie-dye and bright, and she made them all herself. Uh, But she, for the last six months, has been... uh, Excuse me one second. Sorry about that. She, for the last six months, has been suffering with brain cancer at the age of 52, maybe? Um, and she's been the most positive person on Facebook, constantly posting love and light and all of that stuff. And I found out Saturday morning when I got up that she had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was, that was tough because, you know, obviously I've known them our entire lives, basically. Uh, spent a lot of time with them. And when you're in a prof- acting company with someone, you really get to know them, right? And we've kept in touch over the years and uh, just talked to her a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, but then I also knew that that same day, Saturday, after having heard that, and a lot of you saw me post about it on my Facebook page, somebody else that's been on our show uh, is Lee Silverstein of the We Have Cancer podcast. Do you remember Lee? He came on our show yeah. to talk to us about getting checkups and, and making sure you get your cancer checkups. Well, Lee went into hospice two weeks ago, and... His goal was to make it to one last pod fest. He's been to all of them. And he came in on Saturday, and we spent a couple hours with him. And everybody that knew him came up to say goodbye and all of that stuff. Oh. So we knew it was the last time we were seeing him because he's probably not going to make it more than another week or two. Uh, and he got to do this, and his sister said, this is what he was living for. He was living to get here. He's in no pain. He's in great spirits. I mean, he's just I, – I hope I'm that way when I pass away. Um, but having those two things in one day, that was tough. And oh, by the way, I had to give two presentations too. So, so that was a tough day. I know mm-hmm. we all have those days, but it, was it just tough. seems like a lot's piling on you right now. Yeah, buddy. just sorry. Was, just was a tough day. But you know, I was with all my friends, my podcasting friends, and that made it easier. Uh, thanks to Ashley and to Jemmy and to Chris and everybody that was there. Neil, who you know, um, was there. So we were all there together, and I think Lee. You know, we all cheered for him as he drove out the driveway. 
Um, but uh, so it was just a tough couple days. It's a not all, and the reason we talk about this stuff with you guys is you know it's not all it's not all gravy all the time. Uh, we all deal with stuff like this. But uh, thanks, and I was looking forward to chatting with you this morning because we always say this is our therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with you all is our therapy too. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So that was a tough one. That was a tough weekend. and But overall, PodFest was good. I met a lot of new cool people um, and saw all my old friends. So that, that, was, uh, that was all good. Well, I'm thinking about you, buddy, and, and your, your friends, too. I mean, that had to be monumentally difficult for them as well. So oof. You know what we had to do? It's what you and I have to do when we get on the show when we're having things like this. Like this morning, right? Um, when we're and we both, Jamie and I, have had days where we've said, "Oh, you know, I got this going in my life," and really heavy stuff. You recently, especially, um, and we, you know, when that music plays at the beginning of the show, we just have to suck it up and do the show, and that's what professional entertainers do. And I had two sessions to give that day in front of one of them, like a hundred people, um, and you know, once once I walked in that room, I just had to put on the game face and do it. Uh, but that's that's hard too when you're an entertainer. But it's hard. But it's also probably very um, like to me. It's a great escape. It, it was and, and a release. So you know, hopefully, it worked a little it bit did. in that direction where it gives you something else to think about. Because you know, honestly, all this stuff going on in my life, nothing. There's nothing I can do to change it. By stewing over it and by thinking of it. And same with your situation, you know, like there's nothing else more you can do for that person or in that situation by sitting there carrying it with you on your chest, you know. So sometimes it helps to just put it down for a minute, go about your get your shit done. And then you can revisit that later. There's times in the middle of the night where I lo- I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, what are I going to do about this? You know, You know what? There's no benefit to me thinking about it right now. Because I can't do anything about it at four o'clock in the morning. You know, like, I mean, I'm saying I'm saying I'm trying this. It's I, it doesn't always work, but it is definitely helping me to like be able to. I'm going to I'm going to put this in a little box and I'm going to set it over here for a minute while I get my shit done. And then if I have to, I'll pick it back up when I'm done. I, you know, I still have a little bit. You're, this is going to surprise you probably, too. I still have, you know, I've done how many talks at podcast conferences? Dozens. It, I still get a little bit of imposter syndrome every time I walk up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do. I, and, oh, yeah. you know, I've hosted more episodes than, I'm probably in the top five of uh, hosting episodes in podcasts in the world of all podcasters. Yet, I still, still, I still feel like, God, who am I to talk about this stuff? You know, you still get that. I might the only one that gets <laughs> just, and it always works out, and I'm always fine, and they always love it, and I got a lot of good comments, and people laughed. By the way, I am I held the record for saying shit more time in one presentation at Podfest in the history of Podfest. My friend Zach was emceeing the room, and he said, "You realize I counted 22 times you said shit." Why did you say it? I was said it like you dropped ac- something? Yeah, or? I said it by accident the first time. And then I then I had to cover it up by saying, you know, in my show, we do talk about horseshit a lot. And then they laughed. And then I had to tell them an Orfork story um, as an example. And then it just got out of hand. And then Zach started, started throwing it in. And then it just became funny by the end that the audience was saying it in questions. So it got to be a thing. But 
I dropped that one by accident. I said, I almost said, oh, shit. When I did it, and, and I was like, well, you know what? I threw it out there. I got to play with it. <laughs> I got to go with it. You're such a potty mouth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. So that was in that session, but it, it did go very well. I was talking about longe- longevity and podcasting and, you know, what, what, why we're still here after all these years. We um, don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it was, it, I really had to think about that when it come down to the fundamentals of you know, how are we, why are we still here and how are we still here? So it was an interesting session for me to do. It was a little different than I normally do. So, th- so that was different. But I wanted to mention this too about Lee, uh, who did the We Have Cancer podcast. Um, <clears throat> there's an award at every podfest at the end of the, the big award, believe it or not, is in my honor. It's called the uh, Glenn the Geek uh, Community Award, and it's awarded to people who go above and beyond for their communities, uh, for their podcast. Uh, casting communities. And I talked to Chris and I said, Lee's already won my award. What are you going to do? And he said, we're starting a new award in Lee's honor. So it's the Lee Silverstein uh, Messenger Award uh, because he viewed himself as a messenger for cancer. And we were, he, because he came in, we were able to award the people who won it that day with him there. So it's a legacy that he's going to have forever. So uh, I was very proud and uh, excited that she, that he got to do that. So that was cool. That was cool. And I'm always excited that for the people who who uh, get called up on stage for my award, I get to congratulate them and be there with them. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. Um, but I'm going to stop talking about heavy stuff now. Going to put that aside. I got a cruise to look forward to. I know you got a vacation coming up. Enjoy that. That'll yes. be great. I am going to have to go down back to my mom's again uh, in February, but Are I will you? keep you. Hopefully, I can figure out a way to do the show from somewhere. Meet yeah, you halfway at a coffee long, shop. It's a long drive to come to my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was an hour and a half. Yeah, maybe an hour and forty-five minutes, but and that wouldn't be bad. But two, you know, that's, back and forth. That's a, three to four hours in a day, though. Yeah, and this last time I drove my mom's car, but they don't have that car anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> they even got rid of her car, so she wouldn't drive it. She wouldn't yeah. have to worry about her. Yeah, yeah. My brother finally he he was trying to keep it for, her, but I mean, I, I mean, there's no point now. I mean, she's like paralyzed on her right side. Uh, Although you want to hear something funny because it's my mom, and this is the post show. My mom is now paralyzed on her right leg and right arm. So she can't walk. No, like nothing. However, so my my mom has always been a fairly solid drinker. Okay. Well, I found I like how you put that. Yeah, it's 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 we've earned a living doing that for a long time. And uh so one of the things like they they were like her blood pressure, no no drinking, obviously. And now she's in these these facilities and you can't drink in the facility. So my mom has always drank. This is, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this. She's always drank red wine mixed with Sprite zero. That's how I, I like red wine. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a wine cooler. Then it's basically you're like a, a wine 78 cooler. Year old woman. No, that's okay. how I like it. I love so, your mom. Uh, <laughs> so she drinks red wine with Sprite Zero. So last time she was here, I was like, listen, she is so much better, like mentally when she pre-stroke mentally, she was so much better because she has Alzheimer's. She's so much better when she doesn't drink. Oh, yeah, that you're really not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you know what, do what you want. But like, I can't have you around my family and child like what, you know. So anyway. So I went to Alzheimer's the, is hard enough. Drunk, drunk Alzheimer's. I can't even uh, imagine. Dude, <laughs> I can't I even mean, imagine that. 
It's insane. Uh, so I went to the store and I found a, in the liquor store, non-alcoholic wine. Okay. So I bring it home. Isn't but it, that grape juice? It, it's it's wine, but there's the alcohol has been taken out of it. So it tastes oh. like wine, not grape juice, but it has no alcohol in it. So I went and, and it says non-alcoholic blend on the uh, label. And so I took Sharpie, scratched that out. Oh, no. So I made my mom a Sprite Zero and wine and I gave it to her. And she's like, this tastes funny. I was like, well, of course it does, mom. It's organic. And she was like, oh, okay. So now she drinks organic (laughs) wine and Sprite Zero. So my brother has gotten on that train and is now buying cases of organic, I'm doing air quotes, organic wine to mix with her Sprite Zero. Because it's fucking Sprite Zero. She's talking now anyway. Who can taste that? Anyway, so he's got it. So he has been sneaking her, I'm doing air quotes, sneaking her drinks at night in the facility to help her, like, you know, get through it. But it's just non-alcoholic wine and Sprite Zero. And so it's up in the top shelf of her closet, and they keep it kind of hidden because, you know, you can't have it here. Now, it's perfectly legal to have it in there, but she doesn't know that. And she's like, we got to sneak it. I mean, it's it's like her kind of thing thing now. now. Yeah, it's a thing She could be naughty that way. Yeah. yeah, and so um, apparently the other day, my my mother, who can't walk and is half paralyzed, walked out, got out of bed, and walked out into the area where the uh, all the nurses are, swigging her bottle of oh, wine no. <laughs> in front of everybody, like, hey, like and acting drunk <laughs> and drinking her wine. This is my mother who's paralyzed Glenn what the power of alcohol compelled her and she got up and took that bottle and walked out into the nurse's station to show them that she was drinking whether they like it or not well of course they don't know that it's non-alcoholic wine so then the call went into my brother I was gonna say who got the call yeah my brother because he lives a mile away so my brother rushes over there they've got her back in the back in the room uh, and 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 they like attack my brother they'll look listen you can't bring alcohol and he was like "Mm -hmm. let me uh, show you one that I haven't done the sharpie on (laughs) so so they were like they actually gave her the bottle back Jess was like, I smoothed it over, Mom. We're you can not in picture trouble. this whole scene. Oh my God. Like, my brother was like, I'm sorry, that's the funniest thing your mother's ever done. <laughs> She's going to show them bitches out there what she can do. That's like Stagger an episode of Grey's out. Anatomy. This would have yeah, been in Grey's Anatomy. Exactly. Staggering out, swinging from her bottle of wine. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my. GD wine and apparently cussing and all like just made a whole huge scene and they were like oh my god where'd you get that booze called my brother and my brother's like it's not alcoholic but don't tell her and so they whole thing everybody has now they're in on it now everybody is in on the fact that my mom is drinking non-alcoholic wine but you don't tell her that it's organic (laughs) (laughs) oh what happens when we become our a parent to our parent. Oh, it's crazy. Anyway, with that, I'm going to go ride a horse and cleanse my soul. <laughs> well, thanks for the laugh. I needed that today. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, buddy. Love you, man. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse. <laughs>